Welcome to the Winners Win Podcast, the podcast that highlights awesome people in Kansas City and their secrets to success. I'm your host, Jamie Simpson. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of NetStandard right here in Kansas City. At NetStandard, we manage technology so that our clients can focus on growing their business. Today, my guest is Marianne Matheny. She's the Chief Executive Officer of Hope House. Hi, Marianne. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, this is our first podcast experience together. Yes. So, but you're getting ready to have your own podcast, I hear. Yes. I want to venture in and see how that goes. So I'm hoping to learn oh, some well, stuff today. We're pretty professional, so that's going to go well for you. <laughs> um, let's start, Marianne, by telling everybody a little bit about what you do. Well, I am the CEO at Hope House. So at Hope House, we work with uh, victims of domestic violence, and our goal is to help them find their voice and find what it is that they want and then help them to achieve that. So you've been at Hope House for many moons. So did you tell me a little bit, and I don't know the answer to this, so we know each other because I'm on the Hope House board, and that's how... We knew each other before that, but but that's right. sort of how we've gotten to know each other better. Right. But how did you first get started working with Hope House? Were you in social work already? Was that your area of interest? What? How did you get to Hope House 30 years ago? Well, I have a degree in social work. I have a master's degree in social work and had always done work with women and children and knew that I wanted to do that. And when I was going to school to get my bachelor's degree, I had worked, um, did some volunteer work at the domestic violence shelter there. And when I moved to Kansas City, I wanted to try to get back into that. So I applied and here we are. Here we are, 30 years later. So I started out as um, the therapist. It was the first therapist working with um, the women who were living in the shelter. So it was a very small program at that time just really mostly provided just shelter. And it was an old, old rundown house with the ceiling caving in. It was it was a hot mess. So, um, and then we've just grown. And 30 years later, here we are. So when you were a young Marianne growing up, did you picture yourself working with survivors of domestic violence? Did you picture yourself leading a nonprofit that does that? Not what at all. What did you think you were going to do? Well, I knew I would do social work. I mean, that has, I really never veered from that. Yeah. That's what I got my bachelor's degree in, went back and got my master's. And so knowing it was something to do with women and children, I knew that that I wanted to do that. I started out in foster care, working with kids who are in the foster care system, which kind of just leads into um, the situation that I was in. So a, a little known fact, I don't really talk about it much, is I started at Hope House uh, when I was first married and um, to my first husband, and it didn't work out well. It was not a good relationship, and you learn that you can't live it and work it at the same time. So I left. and I didn't know that. And I don't talk about that too much, but then I, I but that's really kind of what... Um, when I knew that that's what I wanted to do to go back was um, about two years later, I was able to go back and, and start again. I've heard you and some of the other staff say that, you know, that you can't live it and work it at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess I didn't realize that you had an experience with that. So Yeah, mine was just um, very emotional, yeah. uh, just extremely emotional, and it was, it was difficult. 
but um, work through that and then I came back. So how do you think that experience affects how you lead Hope House now? Do you think it makes you, does it change your perspective, do you think? Or is more, do you lead more out of your experience in working with the families and, and sort of what they go through? I think it's kind of back there. I know what it's like. I think what I really hope is that we're able to help people to reclaim who they are. Because that gets lost when you're in a situation that's abusive. And I do know what that feels like to get lost and, and not know who you are and not know your own voice. And that's really, I think, what guides me in the work. And it helps me to do that. I don't um, really think about it too much. It, it, the way you asked that question, it made me um, want to answer it that way. Um, I have recovered from that, have a wonderful relationship now that's that I don't know that I could have had had I not experienced that. Because you don't know what you, I didn't know what I wanted and needed until I knew what I didn't want, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it's interesting and in having been on the board for a couple of years and some of the trainings and the things that, that I've gotten to be a part of since I've done that, I think even I think it helps characterize, I think it broadens the definition of what domestic violence is for me. I think that I, I think I had a narrow view of sort of what that looked like and who was impacted by that. And I think right. the more I'm around it, you start to realize one, there's a lot more people affected than I think we talk about. Right. And, and two, you know, that there are different types of abuse that are far different than just sort of the physical black eye, you right. know, picture that we paint of what domestic violence can look like. And I, th I think that's very typical. What, what you have, I think the more that people are exposed to it and the more that they learn about it, it is such a complex issue. It isn't as simple as, um, you know, you get hit, you leave. It's it's not it's not that at all. Domestic violence is about power and control, and how that control and power is kept over the other individual is varied. It's wide and varied. Physical is what most people think, but it can be emotional and verbal, economic, sexual. I mean, there's lots of ways that you can maintain control over someone else without ever having raised a hand to them. Do you feel like, you know, when you started 30 years ago, do you feel like we had the same understanding culturally of what domestic violence was then as we do now? Or do you feel like, you know, as a, a, a world we've changed in terms of how we picture that? I think we've grown a lot. I think we have a long way to go. But when I first started, you didn't talk about you didn't talk about it with anybody. Nobody, it was like this, it's shameful and the secret that nobody wanted to talk about. I think one of the things that really opened up the conversation for us at Hope House was when we were doing the first capital campaign to move from the old house on, on Truman Road that was falling down, that was just, oh my gosh, um, horrible, uh, to, our, to our campus setting was um, the O.J. Simpson trial was on mm. at that time. And so people really started to talk about domestic violence with us and saying, explain this to me, how did this, you know, how does this happen? And, and it was, it really opened the doors in ways that we never, it, never had experienced before. So one of the things that's different about um, 
about Hope House now than it was 30 years ago. And and actually, it's the 40th anniversary this year of Hope Correct. House. So Correct. there were 10 pre-Mary Ann years, Correct. and then you've <laughs> yes. been there for the rest of it. But um, but you do have a, a, I mean, 30 years is a long time. You've got a lot of experience right. in all of the things that right. happened. But I my first recollection of Hope House was as a shelter, like you said, you right. know, sheltering women and children who had gone through this experience. But we define what Hope House does differently now. So can you maybe share a little bit about what types of services Hope House does? Because I think it's really a lot different than what most people think. It's very different than what most people think. I think when people hear Hope House, they think shelter. Yeah. And we are so much more than shelter. And we really realized early on that it's going to take more than just shelter for people to be able to overcome all of the obstacles that can be in the way to being free and being able to live your life free of abuse. So so as we have grown over the last 40 years, it's really been based on our clients and what the clients are saying to us. And they're saying, this is what we need and how how we can benefit from that. So we listened to that. And then we formed all of our programs have formed because we've listened to what our clients have said. So we know that if we can surround people with all of the services that we that we do, we can help them be able to navigate through all of the obstacles that get in their way. So again, power and control has been taken away from them. So safety of shelter is definitely needed, but it's not needed for everyone. Not everyone needs to come into shelter. Some people want therapy. So we offer uh, therapy for both uh, adults and children, group and individual. So again, it depends on, on what their need is. We go to court with people. We have one of the largest court advocacy programs um, in the state where we are in 13 courts and we help people navigate through that court system, which can be so intimidating and so difficult to do. We have contract attorneys that help with divorces and um, protection orders, those kinds of things. And then we have um, hospital advocacy. Well, we'll go out to the hospitals where people are coming in. We focus on Eastern Jackson County. And we go out and we'll meet with people who are there um, who have screened and said, yes, I want to talk to an advocate. And we can then work with them. Uh, We have a safe visitation center. That um, came again from our outreach clients saying, it's not safe. I have The court says I have to give um, the non-custodial parent visitation. And it's a very dangerous time to exchange children. Um, so we do that now in a, in a safe place where nobody, nobody gets hurt. So um, and our newest program that we're really excited about is we've expanded our housing. So we now have multiple housing programs that we can help people Um, We're actually helping people um, either not have to come into shelter or leave shelter earlier than what they would have been before because we have resources that can help them get into their own homes. And then uh, we're starting to expand our prevention program as well. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think, and and it's not just women either, right, that come asking for help. There's men and women who are in abusive situations that are, that are, being helped with what we do at Hope House. Right. And all of our services are open to um, men and women. We really try to be gender neutral in how we talk um, about it. But I will say that the majority of women, uh, or the majority of victims that we see are women. Um, that tends to be who who calls us the most. But we're serving about 5%, maybe 4 to 5% of our clients are males. 
I would assume access to resources is part of that, right? You know, that that because of control and because of things that your access to family or money or, you know, resources affect who comes looking for help from Hope House. Definitely. And what we see, the people who come to our emergency shelter, the demographics are very different from the people who are in our outreach program. So we do see that safety is not necessarily um, as common of an issue for male survivors as it is for the, the female survivors. But what we see is that the male survivors need help in court. They need help navigating through that through that process, and they also need the help through therapy and, and support. So we have a male support group. We have um, therapists that can work with males who are interested in that, and we're seeing that that's what, what our male survivors are, are really looking for is that support, um, not necessarily the safety that shelter would provide. Tell me a little bit more about the prevention programs. You said we're expanding. So what what are we, you know, what do those look like, and how do people... Um, who may not be familiar with Hope House, you know, interface with that kind of a prevention program? Well, we're really trying to think outside the box with, with our new program. So um, we have hired uh, Tina, who's a, who's a former board member, who um, is coming in and she's going to take our Speakers Bureau kind of to the next level where we want to be out in the community talking and, and educating about domestic violence. And then we're also trying to look at ways where people would want to, opportunities where people could learn more. So having people come and having an art activity or a cooking activity, but at the same time, we're talking about domestic violence and, and sharing resource information, sharing um, information that people, we think people would, it would be helpful for them to have. Um, but you're not gonna, people don't just wanna come and sit down and talk about domestic violence. It's it's <laughs> ugly, it's, you know, nobody wants, it, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that either. It's not it's not pretty. But if we could do it in a way where you're having an activity and you're having fun, but you're also learning at the same time. So that's one of the things that we're really looking forward to doing. We want to be out in the community and, and really impacting where people gather in groups, whether that be kids or adults. So um, any kind of church groups or uh, sports groups or you know just book clubs, those kinds of things really being able to get out and really talk with people and, and let them know that we're here. I think it's important. Everybody knows someone that's been impacted by domestic violence. You may not know that, but you do, because it's too prevalent in our society to not know that. But if people are aware that we're here, that we have resources, then they're going to be available for those people that come to them um, when they're ready to talk about it. So to me, that's really important. And we also know we're never going to stop domestic violence until our community comes together and says domestic violence is not okay. And until we, as a as a society, come to that, yeah. we're still going to have it. Well, and like you said, I think it's a resource that people don't plan to need. Like, you, I mean, you don't. No one starts a relationship expecting it to end in violence. Right. You know, so you're not necessarily listening, or I might not go to a a topic that they're talking about, you know, domestic violence advocacy, that might not ring a bell. But when you need it, you need it, you know? And I I think we were having a conversation the other day about um, CPR training and how 
with what happened on the field and one of the football games a couple weeks ago. I know you're not a big sports fan, but you know, there was a guy, everybody knows right. that Hamlet went into cardiac arrest. Right. right? And, right. and we were all talking about how easy it is for something like that to happen. And the number of the, the few people that actually have the capability to perform CPR if they would need to, because we just don't, think about it, but it's not the kind of thing that helps me to learn retrospectively, right? I've got to kind of know it before it happens. Right. And I think, you know, so I love the idea of having more people be aware of what types of, I mean, I think that's why it's really important to talk about all of the different things that Hope House does. It's not right. just shelter. Right. If I have a coworker that needs a safe custody exchange, which frankly is a huge problem um, right. for lots and lots of people. Right. The fact that there are resources out there that can help them do that, I think, are huge. And, you, you, you know, a lot of people just don't know what's available right. Right. and where to go. So I think that's that's exciting. I, I think the only way to, to do that is to continue to talk about it, too. So opportunities like this where we can reach a group that I might never have had the opportunity to reach. But through your connections and through your um, connection to us, we're now going to reach a group of people that that we wouldn't have reached before, who can now know that there's that there's help out there. They may not need it today, but at some point they might as well. Well, and of course it's one of those things you hope they never need, right? Absolutely. I mean, you hope you're talking about it and it's something you never need, but who knows, right? right. Now, uh, you're a mom and I'm a mom and we've got kids uh, uh, close to the same age, right? right? So mm -hmm. how does what you do, how did it affect how you raised your daughter? Did it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, who's a smart, extremely capable <laughs> person, right? Absolutely. A, a, a grown adult with a real job and like, you know, right. capable. Living her successful. own life. Yes. Doesn't need her mother anymore. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. But I, I really talking to her about making sure she always knew who she was and what she wanted and not to let somebody. Um, be able to take control of that. We talked a lot about advocating for yourself. I think if she was listening, she'd be like, oh my gosh, I heard that every day. That <laughs> you have to advocate for yourself. You have to keep your voice. Don't let anybody take your voice from you. And you have to be treated with respect, whether it be friends, uh, you know, relationships, coworkers, that you have to be treated with respect. You deserve that, and you need to treat people with respect as well. But it really was about her being able to claim who she is. And, um, you know, she's just as, as, has just as much opportunity to become a victim as, as anyone does. But if we can arm people with the information and we can really talk about that, then I think that helps them go further. So I do know she will come to me and and or her father and I and, and ask if she needs help. She knows that we would be there and, and that we are there to support her regardless. So um, I think if we can talk to both, both our sons and our daughters about that, it's just as important to have those kind of conversations with our sons and saying, it's not okay. You have to have your voice. They have to have their voice respect. It has to be about equality in the relationship. So that has to be talked about with, with everyone, not just with, not just with our daughters. Oh, I think, you know, I have, I have six between my <laughs> husband and I, but my two kids, I think particularly my son is actually the one that I talk more about it to than my daughter. Cause my daughter is sort of this like weird superhuman, like <laughs> 
thick skin <laughs> kind of chick. And so I, in fact, I pity the poor fool who tries to do that. But, I, but like my son is actually the really sensitive one. And he's mm -hmm. the one that, you know, he's also been around abusive relationships. And so he, he's really sensitive to himself and acting out in a way that he knows is not how he wants to treat somebody right. or what he, and he has, you know, he goes to therapy and he's had different people he talks to and he can pull himself out when he identifies, okay, this isn't a behavior that, that is okay, you know, right. and, or somebody's not treating me in a way that's okay. Right. And I think, so I actually think I have more conversations about it with him than I do with my daughter, but it, I think it just depends on the personality and, right. and it doesn't, you know, but, but yeah, I think it's important for everybody. I think certainly on the board, I know we, we talk a lot about balancing the board too, from a, not only a DEI perspective, but from a male to female ratio, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really want, it's not just one gender's issue or right. one group's issue. It's everybody's right. issue. So that's right. Um, what are some of the, you know, you obviously, in addition to caring deeply about the people that you care for, I mean, you obviously are, are captain of the ship in terms of running the organization too. So what have been some of the challenges for you as you try to direct the business side of what Hope House is doing? Because um, I'm sure you attract a lot of people that work at Hope House that are also passionate about the cause, right? right. So how do you balance that? We have, I think one of the struggles, and I, I think I would imagine that many nonprofits feel this way, that that we are a business. I mean, we have to pay our bills. We have to keep our lights on and we have to run the organization. We have to have insurance and, you know, we have to follow rules and all of those things that people don't necessarily think about. They're like, oh, you're doing God's work and, and you're, um, you know, you're saving people. Okay, but we still have, <laughs> we're still a business and I still have to follow the rules and I, I still have to have you know, attorneys who can help me with HR issues and those kinds of things. And it's still, so I think sometimes that, that sense of I'm helping people can kind of get lost. Sometimes it gets buried when you're dealing with all of the technical and all of the things that go along with running, running a business, whether it's a, a nonprofit or not. I'm sure that's true. And I'm sure, in, you know, among your because obviously you're involved in the community and you're involved in business organizations like the chamber or whatever. Right. And I'm sure it can get lost among your, your peers, your CEO peers mm -hmm. that, that you are essentially running a business as well. That, yeah. The, the clients are different. And I think a lot when I sit in board meetings and we talk about some of the things we talk about, I think, Oh, well, this is exactly the same thing I just did last week, or I'll get in a board meeting at work and go, oh, I just had that conversation yesterday um, at Hope House about such and such. And so there are so many similarities actually between, and our right. organizations are similarly sized. So I can kind of, you know, when you're talking about insurance, I think, oh, well, I just did that. And right. here's what we did. And, and it, it actually relates because it's the clients and the services are obviously extremely different, but some of the business side of what you do and what I do are actually a lot the same. So um, I think that always strikes me and I bet it's hard. Um, I, I bet you can feel buried. You're kind of the adult on duty all of the time <laughs> for you know the bleeding hearts that are doing the good. That are work. out there on the front yeah. lines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, and that is my, that's my responsibility is to make sure that those that are on the front line have what they need to do that 
there, we have to be there for them. We have to be um, able to help them and support them through the difficult things that they're hearing every single day. So it's in our responsibility to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Because this is hard work. So was it hard for you to transition from being a direct care provider and then being sort of a manager or a leader of the organization? Was that a difficult transition? Well, I, I kind of did it slowly. Yeah. So I went from being the therapist to being the shelter director. So I was still very much in the, the mix of it all. And I was in shelter. My office was in shelter and I was doing day-to-day -day things with the clients then. And then I slowly kind of moved out of that. So, um, but I think each time an opportunity came available, I was ready. I was ready for that. I was ready to say, okay, I can, I'm ready to do this now. So, so it's a big year for Hope House. What are you, what exciting things do you have planned for your 40th? You started by beating the drum at the Chiefs game. I did. Very exciting. <laughs> what yeah. a, what an opportunity. And I was very, like, <laughs> such a huge, huge sports fan. So it was a big deal, right? It was. <laughs> you know, it really was. It was an opportunity never dreamed that I would ever, ever have. And I really want to thank GEHA for giving me that opportunity and for selecting me for that honor. And so I was so excited to be able to do that. And, and it was the day, right? It was the it was first, the it was day. the actual anniversary of right. Hoop House when you did it too, right. which is really fun. And I, I shared that with, with uh, Gene from GEHA and he, um, he didn't know that, how impactful that was for me to be able to be celebrating, um, really celebrating Hope House on, on our anniversary. So it was yeah. very exciting. That's My biggest exciting. fear was I was not going to stay in, you know, into, I was going to be offbeat. And that was like my biggest fear. But Melissa was there helping me. She, oh, good. she kept me, she kept me in line, which was I, nice. If the former football players can handle it. I feel other than the fact that you are height challenged. I'm not sure what the right way to say that is, but the drum is actually really big. It's right? huge. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> yes. Kind of intimidating. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Not the fact that I was in front of eighty thousand people. That wasn't the intimidating story. part. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously. Um, but so yeah. that was the kickoff to the, yes. the year, but it was. a somewhat unplanned kickoff. But it worked out well, right? It so it did. What else do you all have planned for the fortieth? Well, we're really trying to do um, honoring where we've been. So we're going to do some um, little events. We're going to do something with our former board, which I'm really, really excited and hope that we can have quite a few of our, our former board members come and, and celebrate with us. And then at our gala in August, we'll have um, really the theme will be the celebration of the last 40 years. So... I'm excited. really excited about yeah. it. It's going to be fun. Yes. Yeah. And you're leading the charge. I am. I'm the chair of the, I mean, that's why I was telling some of our peers that they'll have to be there this time. Yes. It's going to be super fun. And then my uncle is the co-chair and he was the founding um, chairman of the board 40 yes. years ago. So I'm excited and, to be able to do that with him. Oh, I'm, I'm ecstatic that he's willing to do that and stay. Um, I, I love visiting with him and, and talking with him and and he doesn't hold back he tells me what he thinks and what yeah. he what he believes and he's always had good advice so he's been really interested you know about the some of the things we've talked about today about some of the changes and how we deliver services and and some of those things have been really interesting for him and the thing that he told me you know when we talked about the founding of hope house and i know you've heard the story a hundred times but you know he and barbara really thought that this was like a short-term problem that right. you know hey this you know 
these women are sleeping in their cars with their children and so we'll have the shelter and then everybody's going to find out that domestic violence is a problem and then everybody will just stop doing it right you know <laughs> and so the 40 years i think is sort of bittersweet in the sense that i think they believed that we could be better as right. a community and the need is still there it's changed a little bit but it's it's clearly still very much a part of what the community needs so right anyway we'll be excited to do that so what one the thing that i ask everybody at the end of the podcast is what what word of wisdom or piece of advice would you give someone like like chloe or like you know somebody who's starting out in their adulthood about how to get to the point where they're as satisfied as you are with where you're at? I think figure out who you are and what you want and go for that and then surround yourself with people who will help you get there. I think one of the things that was said to me um, was when I first took over as CEO, um, said surround yourself with people smarter than you and who know how to do things you don't know how to do. And that will that will help you to get where you need to go. And I have kept that, that realizing I can't do it all. There's no way I can know everything that, that needs to be known about running an agency. I need people, I need accountants and I need people around me. And that really, I think that goes true, whether it be in, in business or in personal, you need to be around people who value you for who you are and who will support you in getting you where you wanna be. I think that's great advice. I think if there's one thing, you know, if I can give, and I've said this to my kids before, but if I could give them anything, it would be the ability to be confident about who they are and not worry so much about what everybody else thinks. But unfortunately, you can't just gift that to someone, right. but they have to kind of figure it out on their own. But if I could, that would be the one shortcut I would give them to figuring all of that out. And celebrating your uniqueness. I remember having those conversations. It's like, but that's not, everybody's not doing that. It doesn't matter. You're unique. You're an individual. You're, you're you. Celebrate that. Even if that means that you're standing out in a crowd, that's okay. Yeah. That's right. It gets easier, I think. I, you know, I, mean, I think when you're <laughs> 16, it's hard to want to be the person that's different. And even being, even my kids who are different are different because they want to be in the group that's different. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's still right. like different with a group instead of like necessarily who they really are. I mean, right. I think it takes them a while to sort of figure that out. But well, thanks for being with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was me. fun to chit chat and hear more about your background. I appreciate it. Thank you.